Oh, we're doing cold opens again. That's what we're doing. We're doing it. We're doing intro, outro. We are we're back in a special, special way, you guys. And I'm pretty excited about it. Um, we've done some research. We've looked at analytics. We've figured out what you guys like. We've also figured out what you don't like. And you're very clear about that. And <laughs> what we're going to do, <clears throat> we're also going to just listen. Let's just be honest with them, Mike. So we've done over 100 episodes now. We're very proud mm -hmm. of them. Um, we've done them kind of all over. It's always the show has, you know, morphed into different forms. Um, but it's always going to be about cannabis and cannabis growers and the people that make the plant special and care about the plant. But we've also noticed that when we go real real kind of boring we'll be honest it's boring sometimes about things we love like soil and it's just like stuff that mike's brain is full of and i also think that the thing that i truly love he loves the thing it. that he loves it but it's some of it's tedious and boring and it and we admit that we understand so we're gonna let mike loose his hail behind the patreon for five bucks a month you also get early access to everything blah 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 but for five bucks a month um every two weeks because we're going to give you guys a week in between to process all the nerd is mike is and a friend of his choosing you are going to just nerd the fuck out on our patreon and We've what we figured out is like, and in the rest of this time, we're going to talk and tell stories that surround cannabis and keep you informed about what's kind of happening in cannabis. And then just kind of like, sorry, just we're going to put more personality in this motherfucker. So y'all got to enjoy it a little more. It's a little more fun to listen to when you're in there. It's still a lot of information, still a lot of caring, but we do get that this is entertainment and we want as many listeners and as many cannabis lovers to jam with us as possible. We're also doing a grow along on that's in the second tier. It's like 15 bucks. Uh, we have a 25 tier and that's just because we used to do that during the pandemic and it worked, but now it, we, the way Patreon works is you can't just take it away. But if you just, everyone just do the 15 and if you're just generous do the 25, that's nice, but it's the same as the 15. Um, but the grow along is really great. <laughs> We're going to get it really going. Uh, we've got our grows going and it's been some logistic issues as you can imagine, but we figured out how to do it and it'll be fun and it's educational and it's two dingbats, me and my buddy, Nigel, who is just a cool dude. We're growing living. soil. we just built our soil, living soil, cannabis from genetics, from, Huckleberry Hill Farms in Southern Humboldt. So it's dope. And we're fucking up. And Mike's here to teach us. He's doing really great right now. Mike hasn't said a word the whole intro. And I'm so proud of him. And I'm, I've been going a little longer than I even wanted to or should because it's funny because he hasn't. He's just over there just just doing great. But Michael's Michael's in a new spot. He's getting his roots buckled down he's moved into a big city i'm proud of him he's got this fun shirt on michael how you doing buddy 
it's so funny because I did have like four ADHD things that I wanted to go off. And I was like, no, he sounds like an actual announcer. He sounds like a broadcaster. So maybe he should be doing the thing. And uh, just uh, well, we told the people we we're doing this professional. We're going to think about we've learned what works, what doesn't work. And from here, we're promoting it. We're marketing. It, we're going to be in more places. We're doing it. We'd I'd like to announce the the first Grown Local Presents Laugh Your Hash Off in Tulsa on September 17th, Sunday, September 17th. Uh, just go to any of our socials. And we don't have a Twitter anymore, you guys. I'm sorry, we just don't. I just deleted it. It was already wonky and weird, and then no one gave a shit. So I was like, let's just... So we were on Instagram and Facebook. And maybe TikTok. I don't know if Mike's doing that for us or not. And then we Ooh, all. That sounds fun. Do you want to do a TikTok? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I don't know. I don't can't. He can't. That's just my thought. <laughs> nope. You dangled it in front of me. I got I all can't shiny get you to do the other stuff you've like... already agreed to do. I can't get you to focus on just the one couple things. You're doing great. But you are. You are my golden retriever. And. It is hilarious. Uh, who we got this week? This week's episode is, I'm be honest, I I wasn't a I was a part of it, but because I'm on I went and recorded a hot one, not the wing one, hot dabs. I it's hot dabs out of San Diego. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. That episode comes out in a week or so. So be on the lookout. Mike. I was worried, and Mike was like, I think you're gonna be fine. I think they're going to be amazed. And I was like, I don't know. They're doing all this stuff. And, and you know what, Mike? You're right. Afterwards, they're like, I knew it. You're I like trusted you. This. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. I did a grand dab. Evidently, that's crazy. It did. It's a <laughs> lot of coughing afterwards. Just because. But it wasn't like I wasn't like afterwards. I wasn't like, oh, I'm so high. I was just more like, oh, I'm glad that, glad we got done coughing. Anyway, so what do you guys want to talk about? I told well, him if you to... think about it, if you think about it, you are putting a gram of plant matter, terpenes, THC that is actively going in your lung and you can drown in three inches of water. So, I mean, you, you know, you get too many grams, you may drown in some cannabis, but no, our boy, he's been working his lungs with his Iron Man stuff. He was ready to puff hard. Oh, and I didn't think did of that. It. I was, I'm in good shape. I got my bike tuned up too. Um, I gave him some some J's, the guy that came by and fixed my bike. And I you ever <laughs> do you ever do this where this guy, I think he was a little more expensive than I was gonna spend, but then I realized watching him do what he did that I have just been getting ripped off at other bike places because I was like, Oh, he's not he just does what he, he's like really great at this and like made my bike. And also I've needed new tires evidently since I got that bike and no one has told me <laughs> he didn't know that they'd been like that since I got them. Cause I haven't rode it that much on the road to where, and he was like, Oh man, these tires are fucking in terrible shape. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, you've been riding a lot. And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. it's like you thinking about jordan dribbling on the dirt in his backyard and then once he actually went to a fucking basketball court and he's like man this is so much easier just hilarious just just one of those 
What in the hell? But oh, okay. Sorry, getting text. Just making sure everything's okay. Uh, but exactly, it's. I'm gonna write it this evening, and I'm very excited about like really taking it on. Like a. He also told me a couple writing tricks and then some fundamental drills to do, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I was like, you just you're my bike doctor now. And he's like, you'll have this one for two or three years. This is a good buy. Just now that I've tuned it up, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you can keep riding it like you're doing the training. And I was like, cool. And then when I'm ready for a new one, or you need one or anyone, we got a guy. Did, he also, did he like, listen, this, did he, he was on the X Games in like the 90s. He was like one of the first <sighs> BMX dudes to do flips and all that shit. Oh, it's Dave Mirror who free who uh you know faked him he mentioned death, well who he faked his some... death and <laughs> he's also was in one of my buddies who's a comedian's wedding and well my he owns a mountain bike park in Georgia. So once dude found out I was I did comedy he was like do you know and I was like yeah I know a motherfucker I've known him for like over a long time. I started talking about it. he's like, Oh, you do know him. I was like, Yeah, I know him. <laughs> when he got there and he popped out all of his tools and all the accoutrements for the bike, did he have like a special deck of cards to put in your spokes to like, it's, you know, an upgrade? I do have like <laughs> I do have the air valve is is a dice. That's the one that cool. Remember okay. That remember that one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was, I remember that. I should look that up. That is cool. In New Jersey, us as kids would go around to cars and stealing the metal ones off of cars for our bikes and being like, oh shit, I can't believe you got that one. Typical day in New Jersey. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the same. There's just different country versions of that. Uh, man, th so tell them about this episode. You guys, keep in mind, this is one of the nerd ones. Him and mm -hmm. this dude's dope. He's done some dope stuff, but it's a little heady. Um, I'm not involved. I'm driving in my car during this recording. So that's how dedicated we are now is like, I went down, dab my dick off for this dope, dope podcast. Check them out. Hot dabs guys. It's awesome. Real deal resin. All those dudes are fucking dope. Um, we'll be loud about it when it comes out, but, and then on the way back, you know, I, I ate, gave it some time. Um, and then, on the way back, it was just pandemonium on the five. And I was like, Mike, this is all you. Mike, tell us who we're listening to, what's going on. Love you guys. So this episode. Follow us on Patreon. With... Come see us in Tulsa. Sorry. We're not doing an outro anymore. We're just going to do a thing. Okay. So there it is. Give it up for Randy Ritchie of Malibu Compost. <laughs> Relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people and places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. It's the no, most it's, still I think I've ever seen Billy in the past. I, I was looks, about to say, there's no, yeah, that's a, that's a huge compliment. There's no way, but 
you guys have a great conversation. I'm just going to listen as I drive up the five and look at the ocean and let you guys nerd out. I love it. Have All right, man. Good. Sounds good. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you, buddy. This is Randy Ritchie. Um, from Malibu Compost and just honestly from being a fantastic human being. So I'm so happy that I got you on this podcast, man. I, hey, I'm stoked to be here. We've known each other a long time, Mike. I mean, I remember like, I remember you reached out to me eons ago about the compost, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, in Eugene and we connected up and, you know, how the uh, history of both, you know, being from Philadelphia originally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and uh you know and and uh traveling to the west is the best <laughs> <laughs> well this is almost a perfect segue because you know i told you we had jeff lohenfeld on our 100th episode and i got vital to carry his books and i got them to carry your compost so yep. this is just a full you know maturation of all of my favorite parts about being a manager at a grow shop. Now I just get to show all the people at home the wonderful conversations we had back in the day. Right on. Hey, is this, am I too dark? Do I need to be in a lighter spot or are you seeing me fine? No, you're looking perfect. You're going to be great. This will be up on YouTube and everybody will okay. be able to see us having fun. I just have the professional lighting because Billy was like, you're very dark a lot of the times, Mike. <laughs> yeah, no, I was thinking too, because I was on the farm all day. I'm thinking like, I'm looking pretty tan. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you got some compost, you know, just smothered on your face. <laughs> yeah, a little, little, little complexion, a little cheek and gum, um, <laughs> a little biology in there. Um, yeah, no, it, it, I, I remember when you first emailed um, us and emailed me and that's like one of the best things about Malibu compost, you know, is like, is like it, it has taken um, me and taken us on a great journey, um, which started back, you know, before it started back um, when I was a landscaper and um, I couldn't get any good compost or good soil. And I, and I saw this guy named Alan York on the wine spectator magazine um, with Mike Benziger at Benziger Vineyards, right? And they're going like, you know, beyond green with biodynamic. And I'm like, huh, all right. So I pick up the wine spectator. I'm in line at the, at the market and I, and I, and I head out to the car and I call him and he picks up at Benzinger Vineyards, man. And that was when it all, you know, like for me, and then I went up and I met Alan and he was heading off to another vineyard in Chile. And, um, uh, I literally got in the car and drove to Sonoma that day and met him. And like my whole life, uh, it all changed. You know, the minute I put his compost in my hand and as like, I was, I was doing, you know, high-end landscapes all over LA and Malibu and Brentwood and, you know, and, and had, had worked my way up in this landscape company. And, and that's the cool thing, too, that I don't think people fully understand is like people who do 
start these companies and who take a passion with these companies, they are that accessible. Like, you know, me being able to email you, you being able to call him and talking about the product, talking about farming, like that was the world that kind of opened up for me managing a grow shop. I mean, you guys even came and did in-store stuff. Yep. I remember the first time I found your product was not only was it biodynamic, but, you know, people were like, oh, do you know they do DNA testing on their compost to make sure the cows weren't fed any GMO products. And I was like, man, a person who cares about their product that much and going the extra mile, that's going to be some really good fucking compost. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like, you know, like, it, you know, you go in stages where like all of a sudden you're holding compost in your hand and you're going, you know, in Sonoma going, wow, I feel life here. Like there's life happening here. And the crap I'm buying at the soil yard is Joe Landscaper not happening. Right. So, you know, the next thing I know is, you know, we're, you know, he turns me onto a biodynamic farm that you, what you're talking about, you know, is the access we've all had, which has been so brilliant because, and, and that people have been so open. Right. So Alan, you know, then turns me on to this farm. I go down to this farm, you know, outside of Fresno, this grandma walks out with a shotgun and asks if she can help me. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh yeah is your daughter around you know and so the next thing i know we're learning how to make compost um and not only compost but learning how to make biodynamic compost really get into and then all of a sudden what happened on my landscape jobs like people freaked out when they realized the life that we were infusing in the soil and everybody was like hey can we buy some of that from you and that really was the genesis. Like, you know, like I had other landscapers going like, man, your jobs look unreal. And, you know, and, and what are you doing? And I'm like, compost? <laughs> it's that simple. It's almost as if it's been alive and bringing life is that simple to making plants look good. Yeah, you know, and so all these guys are asking me like, hey, can I buy your stuff? And so the next thing, making compost for my jobs and um talk to a bunch of people and the and the whole um the whole real estate market and the whole mortgage crisis happened and i had clients well one day were like totally loaded full of money um next day bank is taking away their third and their second and they're like holy crap honey we've got to turn in the second porsche um and uh you know and so um I was talking to a couple of people and I said, Hey, you know what? I think I want to like, like sell the landscape company and make compost. And they're all like, we're in a financial crisis. Are you out of your mind? You know, like, what are you nuts? And so, but I was talking to my brother who is in that, that market, that world. And all of a sudden, and then I met um, my one partner um, and we started to put together a plan and all of a sudden we went out to people and like in a weird way, it was very far ahead, but it's the compost, it's the soil, it's the biology. And it was like, it was its time. And all these people wanted to invest in it. And like, we're like, wow. And so all of a sudden it went from like a, man, I don't really want to be landscaping in a financial downturn like this and having people freak out and you know, so I was able to to sell the company and just start making compost. 
<laughs> I love how he just said biodynamic ahead of its time type of thing, which is just so great, especially if you any of our listeners know anything about biodynamic farming, which has just been done for thousands of years closely with humanity. And, um, you know, I think that has been the cool part, at least of my tenure in farming and agriculture is a lot of these beautiful ways in which we used to farm are coming back to active use and we're also starting to use science to understand how it's actually working yeah i mean i think the, the greatest thing is right so so everything um you're right has an evolution and so um if we go back to the most basic um forms and that and and and, and you're right in, ba- in 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 base reality um biodynamic came from um, that whole closed loop system of using um, of uh, using manures, um, using the biology that they didn't know what it you know in, in in ancient days you know and then what happened with Steiner you know in the twenties is he started lecturing about living soil and closing the loop and um, and 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 when we were at a time where you know we were just done with World War One and it was a big crazy time the world was really having a hard time you know financially and people were starving and globally it was a mess right and so um in 1913, um, you know, they created, uh, and I talked about that in the book, but the um, Haber-Bosch method, these guys at BASF create, you know, ammonium and, you know, voila, we need to feed a hungry world and it's chemical farming, man. And it's, you know, and from that point on, um, uh, you know, it's all been about uh, you know, a hundred years of telling everybody, we, you need chemicals, you need chemicals to grow, you have to have chemicals to grow. And so even when I was a landscaper growing up, right, as a kid, I learned all the wrong stuff, mm-hmm. all of it wrong, right? And so I had to like unlearn and go back to instinct and go back to intuition and um, start going, no, I'm not going to do that. So we actually were like the first landscapers in LA before anyone was doing that and all there, there was like, you know, we were, we, so we were using, you know, we, we were using B1, we were using compost, we were using anything we could, horse manures, we were using anything we could that wasn't chemical. Didn't necessarily mean it was good or great or the best solution, yeah. but it was better. Yeah. You know, so it was like a stepping stone, you know, to the next thing. And then all of a sudden, like when I saw Alan's compost, and I started to like realize the first time I ever used compost tea on a large scale on a, on a, on a, it was on a, a seven acre site um, for a myoporm hedge that, that, that went around two acres of a site, right? It was a privacy oh. hedge and it was dying. And these people were freaking out because to replace it would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. I said, Hey, I have an idea. Can we compost tea? it?" And they look at me like, dude's nuts right like what planet is he from they're like they're like tea i'm like yeah don't worry about it we're gonna what do you have to lose if it it all dies it's gonna die anyway right yeah yeah so we we compost teed all the 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 myoporm that were dying and then we made um a biodynamic tree paste and put it on the, the the hedges that were dying um and two weeks later 
I, I kid you not, we had new leaf out. We had new growth. That myoporm hedge is still there. <laughs> you got to drive by it and just look at it and be like, I, man. I, 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 I do, man. I go by and I go like, because when I'm down in Malibu, I go, wow, man. That, and that blew my mind. And they also had yeah. this really incredible rose garden. So I went and started screwing around with the, with the rose garden next with the teas. And then that like was a whole other learning curve. And so all of a sudden, um, I wasn't, you know, I, I haven't used a chemical 25 years. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know, so it just happened. <laughs> and so, and so that's why it's like, you know, when you reached out the other day, you know, when you saw the, the book had come out, that's what I'm writing about. Really. I'm writing mm. about, you know, a hundred years of deception and why gardening must change is the title of the book. And I'm talking about how we've all been fooled and duped by the, by the big chemical companies who then got into chemical gardening and got into you know, like in the fifties, got into all of these different, you know, um, uh, products to garden with. And then it got into let's do university studies and let's show that, Oh, this has better yield. And this has, you know, when all they did was create a way to kill off the biology, create mm. um, stress, uh, which created disease, which created pests. So you have to constantly, so you, they just created crack babies. So it's like, <laughs> you, know, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's a really smart business plan because it's in, it's, it's constant cash flow. Mm. And then when you have the mindset of people going like, Oh, I can't grow without chemicals. And, well, and I think I think that's one of the harder parts for me, especially with, you know, Malibu Compost, you know, this company that, uh, you know, you guys are national, basically, and, you know, sell compost all over the place. And it is a superior product. Like you're already putting the proof in the pudding. You're already showing like, hey, this is way better. And I think most people, if you grabbed a bag of whatever compost from Home Depot, opened it up and looked at it and then opened up yours, you see a vast difference. So that alone to me, you know, it's people like you who are showing that it is possible and that, you know, it is better to be using products like that. Huge. And, and you know, it's... Um... And that's the greatest thing. Like when I would meet guys like you and you guys were like, you know, like, okay, let's check it out. You open up a bag, everybody, you know, you feel the compost and like right away, you're like, wow, I don't have a bag of wood. Um, there's something happening here. Right. And a lot of that happens because the dairy cow manure was clean. So like what you were saying mm -hmm. was, so at Malibu, what we started doing right out the gate is we started testing, doing the testing you were talking about. So um, and testing is expensive, but we were like, hey, we don't care. Um, we have to be able to put our um, heads on the pillow at night, right? So we um, started running genetic IDs for GMOs, for the feedstocks like corn, soy, alfalfa, right? Um, that, that conventional animals are eating. Um, and so the reason we were doing that was so that we could show, hey, this is really coming from real organic dairies. And then secondarily, all the feedstocks that um, conventional animals are eating are all Roundup ready. They're all sprayed with glyphosate. 
right? And so that stuff doesn't cook out in composting. Most people don't even know how to compost right. Even like big scale places where you go like, oh yeah, those guys have it going, man. Cause they've got that, you know, $300,000 compost turner. Look at those guys. <laughs> you know, they don't know. They know, they know what they've been told from university studies, but really to really compost and really like be in it, you, you have to like, there's a lot of touch and feel um, and technique that goes into it and knowing um, like what's really happening. And, and, and if you have different farms, like we've had, you know, have farms in California and farms in Oregon. Um, we have a farm for our other company, number two down in, in uh, Chino in Cal Southern California, which is very hot and dry and very sandy. Um, you have to know um, your climates and like what's mm -hmm. happening what's the what's the natural biology doing there what's happening with your water tables what's going on and like really have a sense when to turn you know so you have to turn because you have the national organic program that says you have to do your pathogen reduction which is you have to get it up to over 131 and turn it you know five times within a 15 day span so for most people you got to get your you have to know how to get compost hot Mm -hmm. like right yeah that is not easy for no <laughs> and then you have to turn it and have that in your logs and then comes the part afterwards where you get through that hot composting phase that thermophilic phase where then the amazing stuff happens because then you start going into the phases where it starts to cool down and it gets into a more fungal phase and that's when you go, hey, man, am I going to let this just crust over and sit and let all that stuff in this cone, right, just do its thing, right, and it's on the soil? Or am I going to, do I need to add some air into here for it to break down more? Mm -hmm. Do I need to add a little bit of moisture into here? You know, you yeah. have to start to, so you're starting to look at, like, what's going on here? It's not just like, well, we hit this and we turn and we did this and it says this in the manual and that's what we do. And it's like, yeah, and you make some great compost. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, and um, our listeners have heard this story a hundred times. But when I was younger, my dad was a landscaper, too. You know, he worked in California and then in New Jersey, too. But I have a memory of him coming to me as a little kid while I was helping him do landscaping and just had dirt in his hands. And he sniffed it and he said, you smell that sun, that's God's good earth. And then he made oh. me sniff it. And like, so when I make compost tea, when I'm looking at the soil that I'm growing my plants in, that is still something that was imprinted early on in my life. That's like, I know what the smell is. I may not always know the science that goes into it. You know, I may miss a few parts here and there, but knowing and being in the feeling of it is what's important to me a lot of times. It, it's incredible. You know, one of the great joys of my life is over the last um, 15 years since we started Malibu Compost and, and um, I, I, and even prior to that, I, I've been teaching gardening classes, right? So I'll go places and teach gardening classes. Either I used to do it with master gardeners. Um, and then I started doing it at the nurseries and doing it different places. And then I would do, uh, I've done it even also at, um, you know, big, can, you know, the big centers on in, in gardening shows and stuff like that. But the cool thing is, is um, I will have people in my class 
hold compost in their hand. And I'll go, okay, so you don't have to do this if it grosses you out, but if you're, if you're, if you're daring enough, I want you guys <laughs> just to hold some compost in your hand and we're, I'm just going to keep talking. And they're like, well, how long are we going to hold it? And I said, just, just for a while, just hold it in your hand. You know, don't, don't, nothing's going to happen. This is, this is, you know, organic, real organic, biodynamic compost. It's safe. It's toxin free. You could probably eat it if you wanted to, but you know, I wouldn't, <laughs> uh, you know, but just hold it. And so I'll keep talking and people are holding the compost in their hands. Right. And the next thing I start to see people like, and I, and I'm holding it in my hand still. And I go, you feel it? And they start looking at me. I go like, it's alive. You feel it? And they're like, and people are shaking their heads. They're going, yeah, man, I feel it. I go, you're feeling the biology that's living soil in your hands. And, 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 and that's, that's the way God intended it. It's nature right there in your hand. I yeah. go, so how does that feel? And they're like, wow. I go, that's what your garden wants. That's it. That if you run that as your base component of any grow, roses, cannabis, uh, tomatoes, lettuce, I don't care what you're growing. Um, if you use compost as your base component that you're going to add to the soil or add to your mix, or if you're in ground or, or, or you're, you're in containers and you're having to mimic nature, that's what you need to do to add starting. That's your starting point. And everybody's like, wow. I go, so if you really want to grow organically, that's your first baseline. Good compost. And make it at home. Like, I, I want people to make compost at home. I don't want to be the compost supplier to the world. I want, which doesn't make sense business-wise. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know? weird. It's weird because I say the same thing about cannabis. I'm like, at the end of the day, I just want people to grow for themselves. I guarantee it will smoke so much better and it'll be something that you love a lot more. You're loving in a deeper way because you've seen it come to fruition. You know, you've seen the compost start out as maybe some scraps from a meal you had and it building and living, you know, it's, you know, for most of us who are truly passionate about this industry, I think a lot of times it is something we want to share. Like, even if it is a little bit of a financial detriment, it is just like, no, this is really cool. You guys, this has changed my my life and i want you to enjoy it too yep yep and then and then you're vested in what you're doing you know mm -hmm. it's like you know i mean that's one of my favorite parts of of um of where i've lived everywhere that norma and i have lived we've built uh, and created a beautiful garden right and so that has beauty in it so there's there's aesthetic right and then there's function and so we, we create food, we create sustenance, we create places where we can nourish our soul and then places where we can nourish our bodies. Um, and I'm lucky because I'm married to a woman who's a raw foodist, right? And so she needs a lot of, uh, of you know, raw vegetable and, and, you know, and raw fruit. And so, um, you know, so I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent that way, but I eat a lot of stuff that way. And so we, we grow a lot and um, like our, at our house in California, have an incredible orchard, have an incredible, like, but then surrounded on the other side, like one of the most beautiful rose gardens that you can just walk out into and then an English cottage garden. And then, oh, you come up and go like, oh, wow, look at this 
here's here's the backside of the orchard. Oh, and then there's, I don't know, 18 raised beds that pop into different places. Yeah. You know, and grow different things depending on the climate of that area. And we're kind of doing the same thing at where we live here in Oregon, you know. So um at the house here, we're we're you know finding those places what grows where and 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 we're you know and we're we have so much sustenance happening right now and and we're you know what we do is so simple um i've distilled it down actually that's the since we're talking that's the next book um (laughs) it's coming out at the end of september and and um and that's where we're really happy this book is doing well because this is the um why like, why do we need to grow? Why do we need to get rid of big chem? Why do we need to get rid of, of, of all of the phony experts, you know, in quotes, and all these people that tell us all this crap, that's crap. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like, I don't know, I, I, you know, I look at companies and bloggers and websites, and I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so as somebody, because, you know, most of us cannabis farmers are just kind of on the periphery of big ag, but, you know, you do have a national company that's selling to more than just cannabis farmers. What does it feel like being actually inside of the agricultural industry as far as nutrients and, you know, substrates go? Wow, man. Um, it's, it's really frightening. Um, what I, what I see. Um, so even I go to organic farms all the time. Right. And, 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 and some, some people are okay hearing like, you know, like really wanting to talk about like what you're using to, uh, in terms of nutrient and some people aren't, um, some people are like, you know, and that's also, on the chemical side of it, so on chemical and chemical gardening, which is what you know, what you know about ninety percent of it is, um, it's 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 worse than it's ever been. Um, and so the stuff that is at the store that's conventionally grown, and the stuff that goes into all the boxed goodies and candies and drinks and all the other crap, um, you know, honestly, man, uh, I, I have to tell everyone, don't eat it. You're, 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 you're just feeding um, the candida, you're feeding the cancer, you're feeding, you are creating a walking time bomb for yourself. And, and most farmers are still in the mindset of yield. And that relates to cannabis. You know, when you got people where you're talking about yield, well, yield doesn't matter if what you're yielding is garbage. If what you're yielding has no value besides cash, then you are part of a soulless, you know, careless, reckless way of farming, whether it's cannabis, whether it's growing um, roses for people to, you know, for flowers for people to have in their home that they're touching and smelling and, oh, here, have some more chemicals. Or, <laughs> you know, you're eating that are going to die way quicker also, by the way. <laughs> 100%, you know, so, so, you know, and then on the organic side of growing, um, oh, man, so, one of the big things that I, I 
talk about in the book too is that our one of our big problems is the way the government created uh, the organic um, regulations for registration. So, you know, we have the National Organic Program, which started back in the early 2000s. And what it's done is because there are levels of organic and because um, you're allowed to take um, different things that come off conventional farms and use them in organic farming, um, nobody's looking at, except, except me, like what is in all of that stuff that is supposed to be GMO free and organic that everybody's growing their food, their gardens, their cannabis in. It's laced with toxins. And, you know, so the funny thing is, too, is, you know, the first year back when I ran Kings and we went no-till, you know, I was doing the studious thing. I was getting my soils tested by Logan Labs. I was making sure, you know, everything was in the right parameters. And then, you know, after a while, you know, I saw some slippage as far as like micronutrients like molybdenum and such, you know, not being at the correct ratios. So then I went and I had a guy that I talked to and, you know, he gave me salts. He was like, hey, these salts are legally allowed in organic farming on USDA organic farming and stuff like that. And it's like, what? How's, how does that work? This is like actual salts that we put in that we you know, like this. None of this makes sense. And, you know, I am a huge follower of science. I love science. I think science explains why organic farming does a lot better. But, you know, you have to look at some of these things. Even the fact that Logan Labs and their soil tests and a lot of the places that do soil testing, a lot of those ratios are within, you know, what they want for European-centric farming practices and what right. they believe soil to be perfect with. And, you know, we're still uncovering the mystery and the science and the beauty of it. And, you know, even without using the molybdenum, still grew some really gorgeous plants. So, <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, no, and, and, and that's a thing is, is that I don't believe uh, there should be a seat at the table for conventional agriculture and organic. I think they need to be completely separate animals. And, um, and I think that would take a lot of the confusion out of it. And I think that would take mm -hmm. a lot of, um, like, I'll give you an example. So uh, a lot of times in my classes, people come to the classes because they're coming to a real organic gardening class right so yeah. they're like all right real organic gardening yeah right so i get there and I go like okay so how many you guys um eat organic at home everybody raised their hand how many you guys make compost home? everybody raised their hand. i go i go so um how many of you guys know what the difference is between the um the organic tomato in the store and the non-organic tomato in the store and why the one at the um why the one's two dollars more a pound that's the organic one and then they all go uh I go, and how many, like, okay, so why are you eating organic? And they're like, oh, it's better. It's healthy. It's more regulated. It's, um, you know, and I'm like, okay, guys, hate to be the bearer of bad news. None of that's true. Okay. You need to know where you're getting your food from. So know where the farm is, know 
Um, so like where I shop, like I ask my guys like, Hey, where's this food come? Is this local? Do you know what local farm this is from? Um, do you guys know if any of this is tested, you know? So like my local, like new seasons market, like I go in and talk to those guys. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I go into my local farmer's market. I mean, my farmer's market down in Santa Monica in California, like those guys, like ended up like some of them loved me, but some of them hated seeing me come. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he's going to ask all the questions and he knows the right answers too. That's the annoying part. <laughs> so it would be like, so I knew where I could buy stuff. Right. And so, like, yeah. so we supplement our food with what we grow. We supplement with buying food from places that I trust. And that goes also back to like our intuition. We have to start, man, I don't know what happened to mankind, but like we used to eating food that's not nutrient dense. That's what's happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, Steiner talked about that in 19, in the 1920s. Right. And so that it would, it would affect our mental condition, our spiritual condition. Um, but like, we used to be so much more intuitive, mm -hmm. you know, be able to look at something and go like, yeah, I don't think that's good. Or even this, like the organic Oreos that say made with organic flour, right? On there, <laughs> right? Like, like you should be able to take that off the shelf, look at it and go, I don't think so. Right? <laughs> Oh, man. And, you know, so this is why I think people like you are important to be educating people. You know, we, you've already talked about doing the classes, but what made you as somebody who has this successful composting company doing wonderful things? What made you want to start writing books about these topics? Um, well, I... I... I, I've been a writer my whole life. I started writing, you know, like when I was a little kid. So like when I was like 12. So I have about a million of these. They're called composition books. And for yeah. all of you at home that don't know, this is a pen. Um, <laughs> people used to write. People used to write. I don't know them. what you're talking about. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I can write on a, you know, da -da -da, you know, I can do that. I've got some chops, you know, I'm not, I'm not Stravinsky, but you know, I can, yeah. I can play a keyboard. Um, but I write and I've been writing since I was a kid. And then I um, became a screenwriter. Um, I played in a band. I wrote the songs, uh, played in a band with my brother. Um, and then I, I, uh, when I was going to school at Pepperdine, uh, I got into, um, to the, to the, um, business and, and, and on the television side at a television studio. And I left the business school for, for TV production and advertising and marketing all, all the creative stuff that made my dad go like, you're wasting your life. And so, um, <laughs> I got into writing and then I, um, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a member of the writers guild of America. I've sold a bunch of screenplays. I sold a bunch of TV plays. Um, and so I always was writing. And so, um, I, I kept notebooks and taking notes on all my classes and all the stuff that was going on and different, you know, anecdotes and things that would happen. And like when we would, when we would go on to, we do a lot of consulting, you know, on, on, on big, um, on, on ag sites and on big giant landscapes that also always incorporate, you know, um, uh, 
concentrated food growing, right? And so uh, in urban settings, like 26 acre sites and 40 acre sites and, you know, uh, and so I would write down like all these notes about these jobs and the people I met and, and I love dialogue. Like, so like if I had guys giving me, you know, like telling me a story or we, you know, something would happen, I'd write down the dialogue. So I just kept writing in my notebooks. Right. And so, um, I decided that at this point, since Malibu's kind of doing its thing and number two organics, which is a really cool company that we got involved in um, two years ago, that's now starting to take off. Um, it's kind of, I'll, I'll tell you about it in a minute, but it's a rehab program um, for these farms that were going away. Um, and so I started writing and I started writing like the hundred years of deception. I first wrote one big book that had two parts in it, a hundred years of deception, and then it had the next part, which is which are the the, the gardening um, protocols and the gardening methodologies that I use that I've distilled down over the years to very very minimal processes, right? So a lot of people are like, you know, what's the recipe? What's this? What do I need? And so I wrote it all down, like what, like what, like. And so I, what I wanted to show people was, hey, if I can do this. If I can turn around 26 acres that has been grown chemically with just compost and teas and some biological inoculants and then start using, um, you know, uh, different insects and different um, inoculations, if I can do that, like, can't you? Mm -hmm. And so I wrote the second book, right? So it was all part of one book, but then we realized in looking at it, like, and we had different publishers look at it and like everybody, and this is the funny thing, man. Everybody wanted to do the second part. That we love the real organic gardening stuff, man. That's so great. <laughs> but then they're like, but, but this stuff, uh, yeah, 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 you know, like, I don't know, man, like, you know, we maybe our bread is buttered with the, you know, gardening companies and the chemical companies and, and who runs them is big money. And um, so nobody liked the first part. And yeah. so we were like, okay, I'm going to take I, I mean, when I was working as a screenwriter, I was used to taking notes and have people go like, yeah, that first act sucks. Cut it down. <laughs> you know? I mean, you're, you're you're in you're in showbiz, you know, so yeah. right? get rid of that Mike character that oh. Mike, the, the guy now get rid of <laughs> my, my first my first writing job that I ever got first paid writing gig. Uh, got come in uh, got brought into like rewrite a tv movie right by yeah this is the old school old school stuff right and so wrote this script and the guy the producer go into his office and he throws the script across the room and goes this is shit and i go what and, and, it, and he goes it's shit and i go all of it he goes no not all of it i go well well, what, okay, let's just, what parts of it are shit? And so, <laughs> so it turns out he hated the opening. He loved a lot of the script, right? And so I was doing a revision on something that was already existing. He just didn't yeah. like the opening. He wanted the opening to click a couple ticks faster. So we sat down, I, I got up out of my chair and I went and picked up the script <laughs> and I said, okay, I figured like, 
if I'm going to last in this business, I have to wear a Teflon suit, right? Mm-hmm. I got to be okay with people not laughing at while I'm doing stand up on stage. So <laughs> yeah, right. So so I got my little thing. I'm like, okay, so this is what you don't like, and then we kind of rewrote it, and that and that script got made. So um, I learned a lot of lessons there, right? So so when these when these publishers were saying to me like, okay, so they don't, they all like the second part. They don't like the first part. Well, I'm going to have to find somebody that likes the first part as its own book. Yeah. And that's what we did, you know? And so then I, so then I created this book and, and what's great about it, you know, and, and thanks for reaching out about it. But so here it is, guys, it's a hundred years of deception. You can get, you can get it on Amazon. Um, and um, that's where everybody's buying it right now. Now they're, they'll, it'll be in stores. People are, you know, I'm getting all kinds of emails like, we need a case <laughs> of those in our nursery. We need, to, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. hey man, okay, well, that's awesome. So, so the good I'm news- I'm going to is, buy my own copy and then we'll have lunch and you give me a, a signature on the front of it, so. I, I would love that, man. So, so what's happening now is we've been, it's been out for eight days. We've been the number one uh, release on Amazon, new release in um, organic gardening, um, in soil gardening, in gardening encyclopedia, and all the in horticulture and all these things, right? And then um, in soil gardening, like we're on the bestseller list, we hit like number six, number four. We're um, and so what it's telling me is is people are buying it and yeah. they're interested. You know, uh, and that makes me really happy because um, all I want to do with this, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. Like, just like I with the compost, I don't care if I'm like, uh, you know, on Oprah's happy club. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, want, I want people to realize <laughs> that there is real truth in here that can, um, Even organic gardeners, there's stuff in here for you, okay? Yeah. Um, even people that have been doing it a long time, there's, there's, there's follow the dots with the business. One of the things I do, Mike, is I follow, um, I follow the stock market. I follow the market. I follow the money. Um, I grew up in that kind of house. My, my mm-hmm. um, dad was in business that way. My brother is a stock trader. Um, a bunch of my investors. No wonder he was pissed you dropped out of business school to do movies. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, yeah, he was thinking like, oh my God, my kid's a loser. Um, <laughs> You know, so I, I I can only hope that like my dad, like he always, he did love writing though. So I can only hope mm. that like, you know, wherever he is, dad, I hope you're like seeing this and going like, hey, I'm glad you're doing something that, that you're taking your experience and trying to help people. Absolutely. That's the whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, you've already done so well in business. You know, it already makes sense. Randy, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to hit you up. Maybe I'll get you to do a little dime bag nerdy one behind the Patreon paywall. We will make sure and link all of uh, the book uh, release and everything to all of our listeners. And um, thank you so much for coming on with us. Hey, man, it was such a pleasure. I look forward to breaking bread. And um, Billy, I hope we cross paths. I, I, he's in L.A., right? 
Yeah, yeah. And actually, you're going to have to help me because his, him and his wife want me to go down and do the landscaping for his house down there in L.A. So I'm going to have to ask you what goes best in that area. So, well, yes, we'll, we'll have, hey, I'm still here. Listen, hear me. I'm kind of here. I'm What I'm doing is not safe, but we're doing it. <laughs> um, yes, no, I would love, Let's when Mike comes down, let's all eat food and i want to learn more i was just sitting here mesmerized and then you get i was like oh yeah i live in the same town this is awesome so thank you so much for your time and i'm gonna go back to just putting the phone back and listening because i'm not being safe <laughs> hey, when are you going down there mike um uh, we're good i think i'm gonna be down there in september but he talked about i'm just gonna go down there and help uh do a bunch of his landscape so we're gonna we're gonna do the um the um heirloom expo it's this year in ventura right so my house down there is in ventura and in, in thousand oaks area right so 